Welcome to Worldview, a foreign affairs podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Chris Dooley. Today we're going to take a close look at what's going on in Iran, where anti-government protests are continuing for a sixth successive day. It is reported that nine people were killed in clashes overnight between protesters and security forces, bringing the death toll since the unrest began to more than 20. As the authorities seek to get a grip on the crisis, some 450 people have been arrested in the capital, Tehran, alone in the past three days. It's the biggest internal show of defiance against the Iranian regime since the pro-democracy protests of 2009 and 2010, which brought hundreds of thousands onto the streets. Michael Johnson, our Middle East analyst, joins me now. Michael, this apparently sudden uprising against the regime began in the city of Mashhad in the northeast and was ostensibly about food prices and the state of the economy. It then quickly spread to other parts of the country and, and took on a wider political dimension with protesters chanting slogans against the regime and against Iran's clerical leaders. What do you think has brought this about at this time? Well, uh, initially it was brought about by conservatives who wanted to embarrass Rouhani, the president, who is a liberal and who is seeking reforms. And uh, the timing was uh, significant because President Rouhani has um, recently uh, risen fuel prices, uh, cut subsidies, and then he clamped down on informal banks or illegal banks, really, um, which have been serving millions of Iranian depositors who have been losing their money, actually. So that is who started it, and why the timing for these demonstrations. The significant thing about these demonstrations, if you look at a map of where they are taking place, is that they are mostly in smaller towns and um, provincial cities. And this is because a lot of these particularly smaller towns have been neglected by Tehran for decades, and they need schools and uh, jobs and roads and other infrastructure, as well as um, services. So as a result, people in these towns took to the streets. Um, There seems to be a range of motivations involved from economic woes, inequality, social repression, corruption and so on. What, What do you think is the key driver? Well, the key driver is the economy. And it is because uh, the economy favors a certain elite uh, particularly in the clerical um, establishment and in the what they call the bazaaris, the old market traders, as well as the military, which has um, created for itself a huge economic infrastructure of plants and firms and so on. So all of these different aspects of the regime have made people angry because they see the money which is in the country disappearing into the elite. And there are huge, huge differences between rich and poor. And the middle class is being squeezed all the time. But of course, the Iranian economy was supposed to benefit from the the nuclear deal that was signed by Iran with with six other major world powers back in in 2015. Did Iran get the economic benefits from that deal that um, it expected? Well, it got the benefits uh, in two ways. um, Rouhani was able to cut inflation and he was able to trade in oil. I mean, the the amount of oil that uh, Iran has been selling is double what it... um, was selling before the nuclear deal was signed. Iran has also received some investment. And and Rouhani has also raised the Iranian GDP um, 
to a 6% increase, whereas it had been a minus before the nuclear deal. I mean, all of these things are, you know, positives. But the point is, none of this trickled down to the people. And that, of course, then created the conditions for um, for, for these protests to begin. But you, your, your analysis, Michael, is that really that it, this was not a protest that was kind of sparked from the bottom up, but that actually it's the hardliners in Iran who sought an opportunity to embarrass Rouhani, the, the more liberal minded president. Is that, that what you think you're saying was behind the demonstrations that began nearly a week ago? Yes, that started it. That was the spark. And they began in Mashhad, which is a conservative religious city. And then they moved from Mashhad to Qum. And the interesting thing about Qum is that it was actually liberals who eventually benefited from the protests, who who also took to the streets. But uh, as I say, if you look at the map of where these protests are taking place, they are not huge protests in Tehran and in other major cities. They are mostly in small towns and cities and in provinces. And the point is that people are really fed up. They, um, in the larger cities and in amongst the educated population, they have one approach, is that they want to see the whole country liberalized in terms of social affairs. They, they want people to be able to, women to be able to go out without headscarves and cloaks. And they want the young people to be able to mix and they want um, freedom to do a lot of other things which they haven't been able to do under the conservative clerics. The problem is that the people who are now protesting are really the poorer people who, who don't care about so, or these particular aspects of life. They are interested in bread and butter issues. And essentially now, do you think then that the, this, these protests have backfired on the hardliners? Um, it, taking what you say at face value that the hardliners actually started the protests in the first place? They have backfired on the hardliners uh, and they are likely to backfire further on the hardliners. But the point is what will happen? There are radicals who want to throw out the Islamic regime altogether. They could benefit from these protesters and they are already chanting death to Khamenei, who is the supreme guide, and uh, down with the regime and so on. These are the radicals. Then you have uh, President Rouhani, who is a moderate liberal who wants to reform the regime. Uh, He wants to loosen these social constraints on the young. He wants to take money away from the elite and from the army and get it out into the provinces in terms of development. And he wants to uh, open Iran to external uh, investment. And he can't open Iran to external investment unless um, some of these monopolies, for instance, the military monopolies and the other uh, monopolies under elite figures are broken up because they are obstructing any kind of changes in development including in the oil uh, field, where Iran needs to overhaul its oil um, sector because it's very much behind times and it could produce much more oil if it had been modernized. 
Now, Michael, the, the authorities are claiming that they've got on top of the situation and uh, in, in uh, today's uh, Tuesday's media, the, the country's deputy interior minister, Hossein Zalfakari, has been quoted as saying that the protests have been curbed. Um, is there any evidence to support this? Well, they can curb the protests. They have curbed some of the protests, uh, particularly because they have turned violent. But, um, uh, you know, uh, with this kind of a situation, you have uh, protests popping up in one city and they curb it and then the protest pops up in another city. Their main protesters, for instance, in Tehran have been students and they have actually been pushed either back into the campus of the university or um, assaulted by uh, police and military types on motorbikes. But the masses, for instance, who used to turn up in Tehran during 2009, 2010, um, they, they are not appearing now. So um, unless the big cities get going, I think they will be able to curb the protests. But it is, uh, they are unpredictable because they're spontaneous and there's no firm leadership of any movement, which there was in 2009. There was a leadership, the Green Movement, which wanted to stop um, this very ultra-conservative reactionary president from uh, taking power again. What happened to that movement, Michael, the Green Movement? Was it sort of um, satisfied by the eventual election of Rouhani as a, um, by Iranian standards, a reform-minded president? Um, and only partially. And a lot of the leading figures of that movement are still under arrest or house arrest. And nobody in these present um, uh, protests is calling for their uh, freedom. So it, it has moved beyond them in a different direction. Uh, the, the Green Movement is essentially finished, I think. And whatever happens with this, it has moved beyond them. Um, Rouhani could take advantage of this by using it to uh, corner the conservatives. And then, um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, dealing with these monopolies and also with uh, corruption and uh, making sure that there are benefits for the population as a whole from the lifting of sanctions. And if the protests do continue, Michael, who would be more vulnerable? Do you think it's Rouhani? Um, I know he's a reformer, but he, he has been, there have been as many, I think, or certainly uh, placards um, calling for his head in, in this round of protests um, as anybody else. So he seems to be a target of them. The Supreme Leader, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, who you mentioned, is also a target. Who would be more, more vulnerable, the, the sort of the reform minded faction or the, or the hardline faction? Well, uh, for Iran's, uh, for the benefit of Iran, it would be better if the hardliners are the target. Um, and I think that they will be the target in this round. The problem is Rouhani is, one has to remember, he's a cleric and he wears the turban of a cleric. So he is also seen by them as part of the problem. And he wants the continuation of the Islamic Republic. A lot of the radicals who are putting out, you know, death to uh, Khamenei and death to Rouhani have picked up the slogan death to America and turned it into something else. And they would like to see the overthrow of the Islamic Republic, which won't come, because to do that, they would have to uh, uh, overthrow the rule of the Republican Guards and the Basij militia and the security forces, which 
uh, will not, I think, turn against the Islamic Republic. And, and, and Michael, what uh, view do you think the international community w- will take about the situation? And Donald Trump has been uh, characteristically t- tweeting um, in support of the protesters. Well, I mean, one can expect uh, Trump uh, to be uh, to express himself in, in this way. Uh, the Saudis would be quite delighted with these kind of protests um, because they see Iran as their major rival in the region. And some of the Arabs may also see it as a, as a good thing for them. But an unstable Iran is not a good, uh, it's not a good bet for anybody. And um, if these protests continue for much longer, um, you know, uh, outside influences may start uh, to interfere in Iranian affairs as they did in Syrian affairs after the protests began in 2011 in Syria. So do you think the international community would really prefer to see an end to this uh, protest that st- stability is more important than, than, you know, regime change? Well, I think, I mean, mm-hmm. as I said, I don't think regime changes are on the cards in Iran. And I think um, destabilization of Iran with the regime, with the region itself being so unstable would be a, a major loss to the international community. Uh, keeping Rouhani in power is a, is, would be a positive uh, development, especially if he can crack down on the conservatives. And uh, so far, uh, Ayatollah Khamenei has uh, at least kept quiet, except to say that there's external influence, and he has promised to make his um, assessment sometime in the next few days. Um, I think it's interesting that he has kept quiet until today. I think he he sees that he is a sort of lightning rod for some of the more radical elements who are protesting. Okay, Michael, we'll leave it there for now. Thanks very much for that today. Okay, welcome. That's all for this week. For more on this and other stories, go to irishtimes.com. Thanks for listening. Goodbye for now.